the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic, and I am co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is the leading provider in the United States of lines of credit to small nonprofits. Our line of credit program program is easy, inexpensive, and costs nothing until used, making it a great cash backup plan for your nonprofit. I can't tell you how many clients we have had over the years that have I just lucky to be in the business I'm in have thanked us for helping them through tough times. Uh, tough times usually is just a, um, a shortfall of cash, and usually you have to make payroll or keep a program going until that reimbursement check comes in. It's usually a pretty simple reason why people are using their line of credit. This is specifically why it was designed. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about the program, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And if you decide to apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file. Or feel free to give us a call at 862-207-4118. And just remember, the time to set up your line of credit is today, not when the emergency actually comes up. And because the line of credit doesn't cost anything when it's not being used, it makes complete sense to get it ready to go if you need it. Um, uh, I am very excited today uh, to be speaking with and 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 like to introduce everyone to Adam Steelstra uh, from the Lions Project or from the Lion Project. Adam is the creative director of the Lion Project, a nonprofit production company serving other nonprofits through branding, marketing, media distribution, or media development and strategy. Adam, welcome to today's nonprofit MBA podcast. Thank you for having me. So today, uh, you know, Adam and I were talking a little bit before we got on air. Um, today's topic is the power of video for nonprofits. And 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 um, listen, I'm going to tell our listeners uh, something that I haven't said in four years. So, I mean, you learn a little bit about me every podcast, maybe. Uh, I feel like sometimes I repeat myself, but um, I am, I'm dyslexic. So... Um, me too. Yeah. Oh, you are. So that's that's well, you're creative, and that's why uh, I'm very creative. And most many people who are very creative have a, a form of dyslexia. And uh, the reason why I mention that is to me, video is my number one uh, best way of learning. Um, I, I I still read well, and I mean, I don't. I just not. It's not. It's not as good as me as visual. So to me, the power of video, the power to be able to tell a story through images is the most, uh, the best way for me anyway. Now, other people might say reading, other people might say auditory, you know, through just sound, but, um, but I think a lot of people like video and here's a statistic, uh, Adam, I'm going to test you right off the bat and get you scared for a second. <laughs> what is the number one biggest search engine in the world? I just heard this the other day. It's not Google. It's not Google. That's, that's what it used to be. So did Bing take over? No, no, they're way behind. It's, um, yeah, I figured it's that's kind of TikTok. Oh, TikTok yeah. is a search engine. So, 
Uh, so the top three is TikTok, um, Google, and uh, and YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. I would have guessed that. Too, yeah. Actually. So the first two, the Google, which is Google, but yeah, you, uh, Google and YouTube were one two, and now TikTok took over for it. So uh, interesting because I don't really use TikTok at all. Um, I don't either. Yeah, it's kind of more of a younger thing, I think. Um, but uh, and and also YouTube, which I use a ton of, uh, is uh, it's kind of tried to mimic uh, TikTok now with you know little clips. So you know, I'm not really interested in a real little clip click anymore. Um, you know, a little video. I'm still into longer videos. But um, anyway, so uh, so tell us a little bit about. Let's just start off by telling us a little bit about the Lion Project. Tell us about, you know, what you do for some of your clients. Yeah. Well, the Lion Project was started nine years ago. Uh, the executive director is Zach Ferry. And um, I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> I heard that, Somebody yeah. has a very high-powered <laughs> motorcycle outside yeah, yeah. the building. And this is a thick building. Um, <laughs> surprise that. Anyway, it was started nine years ago. Um, and has been serving other nonprofits as as a uh, media development agency, if you will. So um, I came on board, and, and our our mission is to accelerate nonprofit growth through the power of storytelling. And I came on board um, to this organization only six months ago, but I have a 24 years of experience working in um, many different capacities of uh, film and video production, storytelling of all sorts, and working with many nonprofits over the years. And um, why is the Lion Project a nonprofit itself? Because we actually do more than just help other nonprofits tell stories, although I think being a nonprofit makes us, it gives us an advantage over for-profit agencies to um, be able to do the kind of agency work we do with other nonprofits. They feel like we're on the same team. Um, it breaks down a lot of barriers. Uh, we have two missions. Uh, one I already explained. The other is we create um, service projects for our business partners and um, a lot of the clients that we serve. And that entails, um, you know, some of these nonprofits um, working in foster care, we do fundraising events for them to create videos about kids in, in foster care system. Um, because the success rate, for instance, of, of a foster child actually um, getting a foster family, a full, you know, a full-time foster family increases by 700% statistically statistically, um, when you put the, them on video and let them explain themselves. Wow. So um, rather than aging out of the, the system and really not having a place to call home, they're able to find their forever family. And we put on service projects for other um, organizations. We help them rebuild their facilities uh, or do repair work. We do a lot of um, food uh, giveaway service projects and things like that. And uh, we work here with uh, some big nonprofits, um, the Denver Rescue Mission, 
we do work with America Kids Belong, which is a foster nonprofit foster care uh, program that um, helps kids in care get forever homes. And we just use our talents and our services to get get what we say uh, our hands dirty and our hearts filled. So there's a there's an on there's an action element to what the Lion Project does as well as the um, media component. So let, let's um, I want to dive forward uh, pretty far into the topic: the power of video for nonprofits. The the best nonprofits that are using video right now what are you saying that they're doing that are that are ahead of the pack um there's a few that come to mind um you know compassion international does a really wonderful job of compelling video storytelling to help promote their work and sell their brand um which then again in turn promotes their work and enables them to do more work. They're you know they're a big organization here in Colorado where I am. Um, they were guided actually uh, by a friend of mine who does a lot of work in the nonprofit space in brand development and marketing strategy, Bill McKendry, who recently came out with a book for nonprofits on on how to how to uh, go from sort of good to doing more good. The book is called Do More Good. I have to give my friend Bill a plug. Um, the book is called Do More Good, and it's probably the best book on marketing and branding and storytelling for nonprofits wow. out there right now. Uh, so check it out. But um, David C. Cook, uh, a publisher in Colorado Springs, a faith-based publisher, um, they do a lot of, they have a new team that does a lot of really great story work. Um, and they are a publisher, so they're working with storytellers to begin with. So they have a expectation to live up to as a company. Um, there is um, a several organizations out there. One that I'm working with um, in the anti-human trafficking um, sector, uh, nonprofits fighting the, the good fight for that. And they're getting really involved in how to put people in the shoes of a trafficking victim. And one of the things that I'm going to be experimenting with, with one of these organizations is um, virtual reality and using VR as a way to put you in the experience um, without getting terribly graphic. But uh, I was just on a, on a meeting right before this podcast um, with another nonprofit called Colorado Ceasefire. And we're working on developing um, a twofold program for them to tell their story, but then also to develop a virtual reality platform to use in the education system to put teachers and, and educators and students in the shoes of, of a lockdown live shooter environment. And um, I see that trending a little bit in the bigger um, um, nonprofits that are out there, but the smaller nonprofits that are out there, even the mid-sized ones, I think really need, they put a lot of focus into what they do 
and they don't put a lot of focus in to their messaging and their brand. And the power of storytelling and, and video for their messaging or their overall brand, whichever it may be, uh, that they engage with us, is, it helps to grow their, their message and their mission and their actual um, nonprofit. And so um, these are tools that they are kind of stretched for a lot of times to do, um, particularly internally. So that's where we come in. But um, I worked for a nonprofit uh, as a contractor in developing a series of films about 20 years ago now, um, but they sold in the millions of copies uh, called the NUMA films featuring uh, Rob Bell. And I co-created that 24 film series and shot and directed uh, many of those episodes. And that's a great example of the power of storytelling in a 10 minute format that traveled around the world and um, sold millions of copies and affected people's lives all over. And that is probably the best case study that I could come up with for something that I've worked on. And I implement a lot of that strategy for other organizations that I work with even today. Is there, there's, is there any statistics to show that if someone is telling a story that if it's done through video and if that same story is, is, is told through text that or written text that, that someone will stay longer with the story if it's video versus finishing the story if it's text. Yes, I do. I mean, I agree with that, uh, that, that video has that power to engage and it's for this reason, as opposed to written, the written word. And, and I'm not a, I'm not against the written word. Uh, although yeah. uh, despite my dyslexia, I do read a lot and, yeah. um, and I have a, a pretty sizable personal library and of things that inspire me as a creative director, great writers, you know, just inspire me. But books are limited to letters on a page. Videos are multi-layered mm. experiences. So you have the element of the story. You have the quality of the storytelling, which includes the visuals, uh, the people on camera, the environments in which you put the camera, what you're pointing the camera at what's happening in front of that camera. That's the visual element. Then you have the audible element. And that includes dialogue, monologue, sound effects, sound design, music. And then you have the ability to add, uh, if, it, if it fits the storytelling process or, or the project, to add motion graphics and moving text. And all these things, and three-dimensional elements and special effects. And so all these things play together to, to make it a more emotional, a more emotionally engaging experience. And as a filmmaker, that is what I'm best at. And I like to try to help other nonprofit organizations um, that are doing meaningful work, engage their audience in the most, compelling way possible. And so video, as opposed to just putting a white page out there or a, 
or a, a blog or something like that, you're reading it in your mind the way you you hear it in your mind. You know, there's it's 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 a single interpretation of that message, and it's based on what's happening internally while you read it. When you're watching a video, your emotional if it's done well, you're you're emotionally steered into the direction that that video wants to take you. So you're on a journey. And if the story is compelling and told right, you're left with an emotional impact at the end of it. Good writers can accomplish this, but do people have the attention spans always to finish? Yeah. Uh, you know, Larry McMurtry wrote Lonesome Dove, which I think is just one of the most fantastic masterpieces of, of dialogue ever written. And um, it's highly engaging, but can everybody do that? No. Um, but the power of storytelling through this multi-layered medium of film and video has the ability to steer a viewer or steer the audience into an emotional direction that they didn't know that they were gonna go down. And, and that's the messaging and the power of what we want to get across. So whatever your message is, we steer the audience into that direction. And I'll say this last thing before uh, I finish. I view video as this, um, particularly video. Video is like a storm cloud that is blown in and it covers a vast area. And it rains down information and emotion and message. That's the rain that comes down onto the plains that grows these grassroots found, uh, organizations. So if you can have this sky high vision that rains down on these grassroots operations and their audiences, you get the furthest, most effective reach in a, in, in a one shot situation. Yeah, I um, I think the thing that holds all of us back is how 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 um, how expensive it is, how um, to get a, a high quality, ex, you know, more than acceptable. You know, sometimes when you see like a great video that was done, and you you're like, oh, I would love to do that for my organization, right? And then you find, then you go back and you find out it costs a fortune to do it. Yeah, you know it's like, well, that that was a nice idea, but it's just not gonna, it's not gonna work. You know, um, it, it's address that subject matter. I run into that a lot. Um, that's a very good point that you make, and most nonprofits. You know, the exception in the nonprofit world is the big nonprofits with the big budgets. The norm is the smaller operations to the mid-sized operations, and they're very protective of their funds. And their funds are usually allocated to um, their, their, their missions and hands-on experience. And again, that, that whole kind of grassroots operation. What I try to do when I'm speaking with a with a client, another nonprofit client, is I try to explain to them that 
messaging, particularly video, although expensive, is not actually an expense. It's an investment. Yeah. And that's the difference. And I, you have to change the philosophical viewpoint of that for people. And if you can't do that, you don't win them over and you either end up with a really an unrealistic budget uh, to work with. And then you have to maybe scramble to get them something. But why, you know, why do it if it's not going to be as valuable as possible? That's my question for anyone I speak with. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Like I, vi- I was visualizing as you were kind of go visualizing, visualizing as you're going along. And I'm like, like, I love NPR, right? I listen to NPR all the time. Right. And yeah. um, always have for 25 years and donate money to them. And, you know, and, you know, even when they're doing their fundraising campaigns, it's, by the way, it's very compelling when they do their fundraising campaigns. Um, it, it, you know, you just listen because they're so good at it, but, you know, it when they run the uh, and I'm going to get to my point when they run the matching campaign where if you know if you give uh, five thousand dollars or five hundred dollars whatever it is they'll someone else will match it right. Well, I think that if with a video with a, a nonprofit if and I, I I get when you're talking about restricted funds versus unrestricted funds if you were to go to one of your donors and say listen we want to put together a high quality video. Okay. And by the way, we want lion project to do it. Right. Um, or help us with it. But uh, we want to do this and it's going to cost $50,000, whatever it is. Okay. That's, you know, that's a pretty sizable budget. Right. Um, but what we think it's going to do is we think it's going to raise you know, five times that amount, 10 times that amount of money. Yes. I think, I think it's a no brainer. I think that that person, if they see some examples of past videos that were done by other organizations, they'd be like, yeah, let's get this message out. Yeah, that's a great point. And oftentimes that's the way it works. Mm. Um, They see something somebody else did maybe within, you know, another nonprofit, but within their same wheelhouse, um, serving the, a similar mission or the same mission. And they say, wow, they're doing it and it worked. We should do that too. But there is, <clears throat> there is a, there's a major sticker shock that comes along with it. Um, you know, I've worked in the, not, I've worked in the for-profit world too, in, in doing this. I've worked in advertising. Um, and I've been a creative director at another marketing agency that uh, we did all nonprofit, non-commercial work, but we, and most of our clients were nonprofits. Uh, we did no commercial work whatsoever. And, uh, but we were a for-profit agency. And what I realized is that if you can, if you can, if you have a good idea, you know, as a creative director, it's my job to come up with the message and the story and how best to tell it. And if you can get them to, and this is the trick, um, always this is the trick. When you're doing a pitch, you have to somehow transfer what is in your mind as an experienced storyteller into the minds of the people that you're pitching it to. The worst thing that can happen, the, the reason I think most 
ideas fail is that the person on the receiving end of that pitch is visualizing it the way in their own interpretation and they're not seeing it the way that the person trying to communicate it is and they think this is unrealistic uh this costs too much for what you're talking about couldn't we just pick up our phones and point it at our face and you know or i've got uh my son is interested in this and you know he's going to college for it he could probably kick this out in 15 minutes and that sort of thing and then they're not on the same uh playing field as you so you have to overcome that obstacle and that's through clear communication and really passionately pitching this idea and getting them to buy into it once they do in my experience they will actually scramble to uh, get funds out of other areas from within the organization to reallocate to a larger budget because they actually now can see what it is, the value in what you're explaining to them. And I just, before this podcast, got off a meeting where that very, very thing happened. Um, they said that their budget was X and we nearly tripled it by the end of the conversation. Yeah, I could see where you would um, like, but you got like this, just a minor point, And we're going to come back to like the major point that I was thinking of, but the uh, listen, you want to get ahead of the game and you want to show them what a crappy video looks like from a phone. And then you want to show them a high quality video, you know, and so that they're, you're ahead of their objection, you know, in that regards. Um, but I, you know, I, a lot of times the questions I ask are questions that I remind, like that I'm really curious about. And because I'm curious about it, I think a lot of our listeners are very curious about it as well. Um, and so I think if, I don't know if you can answer this question, um, but the question is, let's say you want to do a two minute video, really, really high quality, you know, let's say the, the nonprofit is not a big nonprofit. Okay. What, I know this is a hard question to answer, but how much is the budget for that? You have to say at a minimum and the high end of a really well done video. Um, can you answer the question? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, I can, but you know, that is a tricky question. Yeah, I know um, it is. Yeah. I mean, do you need actors? So, do you not need actors? Do you well, need editing? Yeah. Do you not need You know, I know it's tough, right? That's, that's the thing. So it all depends on the creation, the story. Um, so the story starts in your mind. You write it down. And then you, you basically dissect it and find out what it, based on the story, uh, what it's going to take to bring that to a screen. And um, whatever size screen that may be um, from a phone to a movie theater. Um, and then there are all the components like you just mentioned, there's, are there actors or is this more of a narrative sort of documentary feel where we're using real people to help tell the story? Are we licensing music? Are we using stock music? Are we creating music uh, with a composer? You know, I've done all of the above. And it, again, it, it depends on, is the idea that is written 
does the uh, person that you're pitching it to um, buy in? Do they emotion are they emotionally compelled by your explanation of how this video is going to work and how well how effective it's going to be? Then they look at it as an investment and not an expense, and they can, because of the power of this video, spend a little to make a lot. And that's the whole point of this. That's why we do it. It's to help organizations spend a little to make a lot. Is a little 5,000 or 50,000 or 150,000? It depends on the organization and it depends on the idea that you're selling. You know, I uh, yesterday was on the, on a, in a meeting where I pitched uh, a sort of a four tiered, um, uh, out, uh, visual outreach program. So there's multiple videos involved, um, for various elements and of, of the whole overall campaign. And they also did not expect to be spending, um, what I, what I pitched. But once I got done, they, they believed in the idea. They believed in the success of the idea and they understood it's going to cost this much to get us there. Okay, we're willing to we're willing to pull in some funds from other places to do it. One of the things I run into that's very frustrating as a filmmaker is that people find a, a sort of a sweet spot they think it is in like a time frame. They say, "Well, how much does it cost?" This is probably uh, for filmmakers. This is a killer question, in, in that it's it, it kills you. It it's like it's like a knife in the heart. Um, how much does it cost to make a two minute video? <laughs> I can't answer that question. Yeah. How much does it cost to make a video that serves your mission and, and your vision and tells the, and does justice to the story? Um, does that happen in exactly two minutes? Probably not. It could happen in a minute, 58 seconds. It uh. could happen in two minutes and 10 seconds. Whatever it takes to tell the best story, and I will say in the shortest amount of time, but that is your sweet spot, right? So a lot of people come at this with this sort of broadcast television mentality where they're thinking uh, they're doing media buys, and sometimes they are for PSAs and things like that, but um, they've got to hit that 30-second mark uh, for broadcast purposes because that's how it operates. But we live in a digital age and, and people are watching things on streaming platforms. And like we talked about YouTube and, and, and TikTok and you name it. And we are not limited so much to time anymore where the limitation of time is dictated by the proper telling of the story, the most emotional, impactful way to tell that story. And one case example I can give you is I was working with a nonprofit client out of Texas, um, and they're a sizable nonprofit. And I pitched this idea for a television public service announcement to them for an anti-littering campaign that they were doing. And I said, at the end, the payoff, it was uh, protecting their watersheds, so uh, keeping pollutants out of their watersheds. And the message was, well, you wouldn't treat your house this way, so why would you treat just outside your house this way, the, the, you know, your environment? And I said, the best way to tell the story is to get a house, get actors, get a crew, 
make it look good, put in the, the quality, put the quality into the production. The writing was already there. They, they were sold on the idea, but um, then I had to sell them on the scale of the production. And I said, and here's the payoff at the end. Uh, there's a family sitting in, in, at a dinner table and they're just slobs and the food, they, the dad feeds the food to the dog and they're having this ridiculous conversation. It's kind of comedic spot. But um, at the end, uh, the dad says to the son, hey, it's trash day tomorrow. Go take out the trash. And you cut to these shots of the son grabbing all the trash in these bags and it's spilling out everywhere. And he brings it to the front door and throws it out the door. And I wanted it to land in a river outside the door uh. of the house. Well, we, I, I, can't, I can't build a whole house on a river, but I can recreate the foyer of that house if I hire the right set designer and carpenter. And I said, so there's two options here. We can either put a green screen out the front door of the actual house we're shooting in and composite that in there and make it look like he's throwing into a river. And I said, honestly, that's going to look cheap. People aren't going to buy into it. It's sort of a, you know, it's sort of a cop out. The real way to do this is to build a set on some land that they had access to on this river that was getting polluted and cut from one shot in the house to the next shot on a different day with the same actor in the same clothes in this set, opening the door and throwing trash into the river. And they said, you've got to be kidding me. And I said, no, that's the way this will work. That's what sells this idea. That's what to your audience, that's what drives it home. If we did it for real, you know, real in quotes, but you know, it was set up, but if we actually had a river there, that would sell your idea. That would make the emotional impact that you're striving for. The other way would not, but it would be more cost effective. Which one are you willing to do? They got together and they came back to me and they said, we want to do the first way. It's just too expensive to build a set, uh, add another day of shooting and so forth. And um, so we did it that way. And they looked at it in the, in the, the final edit. And my point of contact at the organization said, how much do you think it would cost to do it the other way? And I said, about $10,000. And she said, okay, let's do it. Yeah. And we went back and we built the set. We put it on the river and that campaign was wildly successful. The story was incredibly impactful and it won some awards uh, and got the notice of the EPA who reached out to the nonprofit and asked if they actually could use this for some of their programs. Yeah, you know, what, what made me think of this, too, is that when is the time in your life when you've bought something that was what you thought that was really, really expensive and you moved forward and it wasn't and, and, it, and it wasn't a good idea? Like never happens. Whenever you buy something, it's always the reverse, right? When you buy something that's that's cheap, right? That. That's usually when you get when it was a mistake, right? Yeah. It's never yeah. the opposite. It's never when you spent a lot of money on something 
And then after you get it, you like, like, you know, clothes, you know, get, yeah. You want to get a good buy? Yeah, sure. Get cheap clothes and then you wear it once. <laughs> you yeah. want to, you know, you want to get something that you really appreciate. You spend the money on it and it fits good and you wear it all the time. And you're like, wow, this is the best thing I, I ever, I'm glad I spent the money on it. So I, I think, you know, listen, you got to do your investigative work, right? You got to make sure it fits your organization. Um, and, you know, certainly if you're, you know, a small nonprofit, you're not going to spend a, a, a ton of money uh, so much so that you're not going to recoup your costs. But, you know, you, you, sometimes it's worth exploring, well, what happens if we do it on the high end? Like, I like what you do, too. I think, uh, you know, you mentioned in one of your pitches that I think you presented four different options uh, to them. And I'm not sure if it was four different options of what you were thinking of or four different options as far as prices where like for this price, you could do this, this, and this for this price, you could do this, this, and this. Um, is that usually, can you do that usually in your pitches or do you usually just go with the best solution? I, I try to go with the best. The best. Um, yeah. My goal is to serve my client the best way I possibly can and to be responsible to their brand and to their mission and to really understand what their message is. And then I come back to them and I say, Here, here's what we don't want to do. And I explain what that looks like, which is more often than not what they had in mind. And then I say, here's what I believe we should do. And I always say we, because I'm involved. I'm emotionally involved in this for them. That's part of how we operate at our organization, at our nonprofit. Um, we get emotionally invested in what we're doing um, at every level. And so, I, I do this with, you know, a little bit of caution. I do it sometimes with, um, you know, uh, I'm a little afraid. Are they going <laughs> to, how are they going to react? Um, but I think big and I believe that everyone else should too. I don't, I think the worst thing a nonprofit can do, especially a nonprofit, is to consider themselves, and I hear this often, we're just a small nonprofit. We can't do that. Actually, you can. If you have the right ideas, you can actually create some very powerful, very compelling media for, for your outreach that is south of $20,000 um, and can have legs and shelf life. Uh, it's possible, but you have to have the right minds on it. And one of the things that nonprofits tend to do is try to do it all for themselves in, in the name of cutting corners and saving money. And my response to them is, why not get the experts to help you? And let's all buy into this idea or ideas, whatever the case may be. And, and work together and let someone guide you the same way an agency would for a for-profit organization. Except what we're selling is, is meaningful, impactful, human 
relational kind of stuff and helping people and trying to better the our communities. We're not selling goods. We're not selling products so much. Um, if there are products involved, they're with a purpose and not just for the sake of, you know, a cool new pair of shoes or, or a new car or something like that. And we're barraged as a, as a culture, we're barraged by advertising on a commercial level and it really gets out of control in my opinion, you know, and that's why I got out of it uh, years ago was I just couldn't buy into the sales of, of junk anymore. I needed to do something that was far more meaningful to myself and helped uh, be meaningful to others and help tell their stories. And I got to work with some wonderful people that encouraged me and promoted me in, in that process. And since about 2011, that's all I've done. Hmm. Well, it's all good stuff. I, I, I learned a lot today. Um, it's all the time we have. And, you know, I'd like to thank so very much, Adam Steelstra for coming on today's uh, project. Adam is from the lion project. Um, uh, if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. If you like today's podcast, please also give us a review. It helps us get the word out. You know, um, I, I hadn't looked at the reviews in like three years. I, you know, I just never got around to it. And, you know, there were uh, all five stars. I was really uh, taken back. I was like, wow. And there's a lot of them. So uh, I thank you for that. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to put a review there. Uh, and of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Adam, if people want to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Sure. Um, they can get in touch with me at Adam at the lion, or I'm sorry, Adam at lionproject.org. And we're located in Denver, Colorado. Great. And your website is lionproject.com? Dot org. Dot org, excuse me. Okay. And uh, appreciate that. Um, and I say this at the end of every episode. I don't think I'm ever going to stop saying it. And it's very heartfelt. Um, uh, all of our listeners out there, you're all doing all the hard work. You're doing the heavy lifting of trying to make this world a better place. And, you know, I really thank you for that. Uh, you guys deserve all the credit. I'm sure you don't get enough credit for what you do. I, I know that's not why you do it, but I want to thank you for all the hard work that you guys do. I know Adam and I and all of us need to do our part in making the world a better place. And, you know, in a small way, it's not the reason why I do it, but the Nonprofit MBA podcast, I think, makes nonprofits better. And, and I'm very proud of that. Um, um, but I, of course, do my own thing, I'm involved in other nonprofits myself and I donate money and, and Adam, I know you, you do your thing too. Um, so, uh, I, again, I just want to thank you guys for, for making the world a better place. We certainly need that. Everybody needs help. All right, everybody have a great day and try to get outside springs around the corner, hopefully. And, uh, not where Adam is, but, uh, where for some of us it is and, uh, Get outside, enjoy the beautiful weather, even if it's cold. Okay, have a good day. We'll see you later. 